Well, hello and welcome to another, the last episode of season number four of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flor, and in this show, I share strategies and tactics to build a career as a lettering artist or illustrator. And you may be surprised to see me in this new location today. And this is because I'm already in summer mode. I'm in Barcelona, Spain, where I will spend summer with my family. And today's show is a celebration, a celebration of season number four, the best of the best. So get ready to have a peek into the most beloved interviews and solo episodes that made this season really unforgettable. Um, we had the honor of chatting with incredible artists and designers like Mary Kate McDevitt, uh, Ken Barber, Kevin Cantrell, Jessica Hirsch, and Sam Roberts. So not to mention also our solo episodes where I share with you strategies for creative momentum, portfolio building, and crafting a successful career as a lettering artist and illustrator. You mentioned that you got this creative block or you experienced this creative block, which made you, make, as, I, as I hear it, made you feel okay, or made you think about, okay, what, what are of all the things I want to continue doing, or do I want to continue down this road? Um, so how did that look like for you, this creative block? And what, when did that happen? Like when, when did this creative block um, showed up or happen for you? I feel like it's hard to pinpoint exactly when, mm. um, and it was a confluence of a bunch of different reasons you know, personal and work related and all these different things. I would say in the 2018 hmm. year. Um, so, so eight, 10 years into your freelance. Yes. Yeah. Practice. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, and I think maybe even before that, I was sort of figuring some things out that I had to, you know, say no to. Um, mm. And look out for look out for me this time <laughs> like like what like like you know not constantly making time for creating personal work on top of client works uh going mm. to bed at reasonable hours and mm. um not working weekends even and i mean there was just a lot of a lot of things i just got so into just saying yes to everything mm. um that it just it wore me out. And mm. I think that's, that is kind of when, you know, there's um, more gaps in my Instagram posts or like not on Twitter at all, or mm. uh, like maybe not even going to design events, mm. even, I don't know, like just not, um, yeah, not making the time because I, I wasn't up for it. And it was yeah. even before I even really considered that it was creative block. I just thought, I mean, the, what your stupid brain tells you is just like, oh, well, mm. it's probably because you suck. That's mm. like, and not actually putting the word creative block on it. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, you know, a hint of depression and everything. Um, and yeah. it was, uh, yeah, early or little, around 2018 I started going to therapy and started figuring out these things and being a little easier on myself and being because it's like 
it's it's a thing that happens and so many people yeah. go through it and uh it does feel it feels debilitating and yeah. you're questioning like you know even if i'm not conscious or unconsciously saying no to things hmm. um it just means like oh god i can't even do that either or like oh no hmm. one even asked me to do this anymore um and i think i had just not given myself the space to uh, think about these things from that angle, from this angle that it's like outside of your control and yeah. it just really just suddenly happened. And now uh, having a healthier outlook on it. Um, yeah. How, how did you go about getting out of it? Because I mean, all the things that you're saying, I can relate to it. And, and, and I mean, we, I think we belong more or less to the same generation. And I think we, we pretty much grew up in like a hostile culture where, you know, you, you need to work and you need, you know, this culture of like the hard work and putting in Hustle. the hours and yeah, totally. And, and, um, and that uh, definitely took a toll on many of us. I, I can totally uh, resonate with that. And uh, all the things that you're saying is things that I have experienced myself. Mm -hmm. And, and that can be, you know, to the outside world, could be something that not everyone gets to see and and you know it's from 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 other people people's per perspective that mm -hmm. might seem like okay she's having a totally successful career and she's traveling here and there but then at the same time you are miserable and worn out right yeah. because you yeah, are yeah. trying to please everybody clients speaking engagements, social media, um, and suddenly you you miss taking care of yourself, right? And I, yeah. I know this is also something that happens to many artists out there. And many of the people who are listening right now, I bet that they can also relate to this. Um, that, you know, I I often feel that one of the, the great things about our work is that we turn, we, we do work that we love, and we also turn something that used to be our hobby into our work. And then we miss like putting the boundaries yes. to this, right? Like, yeah. so suddenly work starts flooding all of your life and you work on Sundays, um, you work on weekends, you work until midnight and yes. And then, and then it's, uh, you notice how that is. I get this question often, which I was I was recording a solo episode for this podcast about this uh, today, and I would love to have your input um, in that matter. When do you think one is ready to make a living with their skills? Um, because I get this question from a lot of students, um, and I know that many of our listeners are interested in this. You know, I, I know that when you're starting with a certain craft, you are putting in a lot of work and you 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 start seeing progress, you see that your work is improving, you know, considering that you are putting in the work and the time and you are doing all of the things that you have shared with us, practicing, educating yourself, um, having someone to guide, guide you and having someone to give you feedback. But at some point, when you reach a certain level, you start wondering, hey, how, how can I turn this hobby or these two hours a day that I dedicate to getting better at this, how can I turn this into my full-time 
job or how can I turn these two hours into my entire day? You know, because I love, I really enjoy doing this. How can I extend or how can I maximize this, right? And, and this is where other artists are or other, um, yeah, other artists or other people who are interested in a certain craft start wondering, okay, when am I ready to go from amateur to pro, right? So I want to ask you, when do you think that that is, that is a good moment for someone to start uh, considering that? And when, what are the cues that they have to look for uh, to say like, okay, now I, I can do this? Uh, that's a terrific question. And it's something uh, I've been asked the, the same question. If I were to be completely honest and look at my own career as, as an example, uh, I probably, in hindsight now, I have a certain number of years of experience and um, I can see the improvement in my own practice uh, as yeah. compared to what I did 25, 30, <laughs> 30 years ago. So I like to think it's a pretty big difference. Yeah. If I were to give myself that advice, um, it's very tempting for me to say you didn't have any business starting professionally when you did. You just weren't good mm. enough. But I'm mm. measuring my past self from my current standard and from my current mm. understanding and mm. knowledge. Um, but that probably would be bad advice for my past mm. self. Um, yeah. Because I think I, I, I have... I have to admit, I've gone back and forth about this, this very mm. question. And um, I think uh, when I did gain a little bit more experience and then I looked at my past work and I thought that it, it wasn't of a very high quality and that I probably mm. you know, didn't have any business teaching or, uh, or working yeah. professionally within lettering, um, there was a time when I thought, that I, that other people perhaps like students, you know, people who are newer to the profession, that they should take their time. They should resist sharing so much because maybe it's not of a high quality and someone may, may be confused about that or, uh, could kind of muddy the waters in terms of like, okay, well, what is, uh, what is good versus, you know, mm. what is something that perhaps isn't, you know, quite to that level. But I think that's probably bad advice right now because if I gave myself that advice, I would have never taken the opportunity to kind of flounder through this, uh, my mm. early experiences and given myself those opportunities to genuinely improve in my practice. So, I mean, technically speaking, if you can make money doing what you do, you're a professional. <laughs> right? Mm, yeah. I mean, it, and you when is it time for someone uh you know to to begin their career you know in some ways you could say when well when someone's prepared to pay you um yeah but my 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 advice would be to try to keep that in perspective even though you may not have that perspective yet because if you're just starting out you lack that experience and that skill um, yeah. to really evaluate your work, I think, in a, in, a, in a really effective or successful way. So it is time also, we mentioned mentors before and people who are honest with us, is I think it's a time to lean on them as well, um, mm. especially if you have a connection, say, within the industry who can say, 
Mm. Yeah, you, you can absolutely do this. Um, mm. Or, you know, you may want to consider this route taking a little bit more time. Perhaps it's, you know, if you can, if you have a day job, uh, if you can kind of hustle on the side, um, mm. get work, which really, honestly, I would look at as just an opportunity to practice. Being paid, extremely important. I don't want to gloss over that. But looking at those as opportunities to learn, to begin to build a portfolio, uh, and then being open to those opportunities where maybe there is a time to take a leap or um, taking a very, in some ways, a much more traditional approach to it and going out there, applying for for jobs. Um, uh, When I left school, uh, one of the jobs I had was um, working at a a firm that did a lot of uh, uh, sports branding. And yeah. I really wanted to do more illustration and lettering. And it was, it was perfect for me, even though the, the subject matter wasn't dear to me. It, was, it wasn't something yeah. that I was really motivated to, to letter because of the subject matter. But it gave me an opportunity to illustrate and to letter. And those, the people, um, my employer at the time trusted me enough to, to yeah. give me that opportunity. So another part of that equation is, putting yourself out there um, and looking for those opportunities. You know, there are so many ways to this network is kind of a sleazy word sometimes because it sounds like, you know, you're just out to make a connection just to benefit yourself, but like make friends with people and, and uh, reach out to people who are in that industry. And um, sometimes it's not always, always possible, you know, for someone to mentor, mentor you personally, but, um, uh, but, but that's an important I think that's an important part of the equation as well. Hey, 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 welcome to the fascinating world of hand lettering, where letters transform into captivating stories. My latest PDF, Lettering DNA, is your guide to discovering the secrets of the alphabet and empowering you to create stunning words and phrases that amaze others. Crack the code of letter forms inside this easy to understand PDF. Download it for free on martinaflor.com slash DNA. Embark on this journey and transform words into unique stories. With Lettering DNA, you will gain a fresh perspective on letter forms that will forever change the way you see them. Again, go to martinaflor.com slash DNA to download it for free. Now, back to the show. I wonder if this, you know, having this distinct style uh, help your business and help you, you know, stand out in the crowd when it comes to um, doing client outreach or getting clients. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, this is this is branding 101 is you have what makes you Mm. different, what makes you unique, because people ultimately will come to you for what you are, what you are known for, what you are, what, what is your unique um specialty or your unique skill set that 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 is different or above someone else and so in a sense that can be style for an illustrator that can be a specific type of of work you do that you have experience in so for an agency for example maybe you specialize in sports you know nike Mm. maybe you specialize in beverage maybe you specialize in like so i do um, high-end luxury typically um so i do Mm. a lot of I do a lot of uh, luxurious packaging. I do a lot of uh, hotel branding, and you know sometimes I do high-end restaurants too, like uh, like Tavern on the Green and a couple other restaurants I've done, uh, like one at the Chateau Grand, for example. 
And so when you when you have expertise in a field because because you know that you know the you know the I guess you could say the competitive white space mm-hmm. and you have certain expertise in that people will come to you because you know that field you know how to do it and you know how to do it well mm-hmm. because you've had success and you've demonstrated that. And so as an illustrator, if you have a style that people come to because it has a certain thing that fits uh, as because as, I, I wear many hats, um, I like being in the trenches, so I never want to be too far removed from design. But sometimes I create, I'm, I'm a creative director and I'll art direct certain things. I know my limitations as an illustrator. I know what I can and what I can't do. Mm. And I try to usually pick projects that I can do within my skill set. But sometimes I need other people who can complement that. And so you'll go to someone for a unique ability that they have that complements yours. Yeah. Um, and as a creative agency or as a creative director where you're more removed typically and you're usually overseeing things and you're, you're the big idea person, that's not a hit at all. That's just people wear different hats and have different roles and different agencies have to function that way or they can't get all those big things done. And so you want to get the right talent who has, who has specific skill sets that will complement and execute that vision that you have. And so as an illustrator, if you have something you're known for and you're really good at, uh, like Jessica Hesch. Jessica Hesch is, is a terrific artist, right? She's, she's ex- extremely talented. I think, I think I just saw her post uh, about Logo Shoes Defender uh, yesterday. Really, really nicely done. And so people come to her because she's done tons of, of those revamps on logos. She's really good at that. She's really good at very, uh, myriad styles. And she has experience. And, so, and she's successful. So they're going to go to her because she has an expertise in that. And, she's, and, and so that's, that's what you have to do is you have to demonstrate that. And for me, it started with, and, and many artists will, will express something like this, where I, I had to demonstrate I could do that and, and create my own opportunity. And then once I did that, when people saw I could do that, then business opportunities came. Experience. So I wanted to ask you, what are the great things about working with artists and what are the aspects that you think made them unique? Um, and the things that they should perhaps double down on that many artists fail to see or they, they don't get to understand that they have this superpower and, um, and perhaps they could, they could really uh, focus on or double down yeah. on. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the word awesome is, is used a lot, you know, oh, awesome, you know, it's, it's come, come very much from America, this, this use of the word awesome. And um, if you actually look at what awesome means, it, it's inspiring awe. So that can either be through mm. fear or amazement, uh, you know, at, at something incredible. And I think watching sign painters work, you know, highly skilled sign painters work is, is truly awesome in that sense of, mm. you know, I look at it and because I have tried it, you know, I've taken all the workshops that I've ever run and I took mm. yours and, you know, I've, I've taken all of these workshops. And I think it's by doing it that you truly begin to appreciate how hard it is and how much practice mm. it takes to reach even a sort of an elementary level and so then yeah. when you watch somebody who can come along and quickly scratch out a few lines to guide them and then begin painting and create something that is is amazing is truly awesome and that mm. you know that for me is what i strive to promote and to and to sort of yeah. share and to make you know again it's banging the drum you know i sometimes talk about myself as sort of championing the craft you know i feel like part of my role is is not just to you know support artists with work and well artists you know a lot of them would not want to be called artists because they don't see themselves as that um but it's also to expose this trade and this craft 
to a wider audience, much like that film did. You know, mm. that film brought the craft into the eyes of the architects, the graphic designers and the advertising mm. agencies where before they'd perhaps forgotten or were ignorant of the fact that uh, this could happen. So, yeah, I think just it's watching watching people work and and seeing what they can create that that most inspires me. And I have to say, you know, within the sign painting, you know, it's a small trade, but it's a, a fantastically supportive one. You know, the we mm. talked a little bit earlier about these conference type events called letterheads and those are run mm. on a not-for-profit basis there's no membership organization or committee or chairperson or any of this sort of stuff they are somebody yeah. puts their hand up and says i'm having a get together could be five people it could be 500 people and the whole idea is that people come together share the skills and begin to pass that knowledge on from one generation uh, to the next and i think you see that manifest very much on on Instagram, for example. You know, it's a very very supportive and collaborative community. People are always organising, you know, little group shows, uh, small letterheads events. Um, so I think though, you know, seeing the work and the the culture of the of the trade, I think are mm. two of the things that that really inspire me. I can't remember what the next uh, question, what the next bit of the question was. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder where are the downsides now of working with artists, and what, what, or uh, let's reframe this. Where do you think uh, artists have some room for improvement, or maybe things that they could do better, or they are overseeing? Um, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> this is that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I know. I um, no, but you know, I, th I think there is, you know, in general they are they tend to be better at and want to paint signs and design lettering and and that's what they want to spend their time doing and that means that often mm. and this is not to say all sign painters are like this but often uh, they can neglect you know things like communications um you know looking carefully at their you know things like pricing you know i often find that yeah. the the pricing can be lower than it possibly could be um, and I always encourage uh, people to to charge more if and when they can. Mm. Um, but what else? I mean, I suppose those would be the two things. And and just you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'd have it have it with Mike. You know, he'd keep me waiting until the very very last minute to deliver the thing that I needed to to move on to the next step of whatever <laughs> I was doing. And that you know, so it's being being kept waiting. Can, you know, for somebody like me that, you know, is, is very, you know, timings and process oriented, you know, I, I'm very much like that. I like a, I like a checklist, of a course, step by yeah. step, a, a deadline of when's this happening? How's this going to lead into that? Um, you know, I have that logical process driven mindset, whereas uh, lots of the sign painters are, you know, you know, scatty would be a rude way of saying it, but they're kind of, you know, there's so much going on and they're easily distracted by the thing that's over here and um you know they can they can drop the ball occasionally so that's i think sometimes you know they've appreciated working with me because i'm kind of prodding and saying come on we need this we need this and uh you know it doesn't feel like it's a client doing that to them it's 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 me doing yeah. it and uh so th those would be some things but like i say you can't generalize that all sign painters are like that some are very very 
you know, logical and, and process and methodical, and, and others are, are more kind of chaotic, creative, let's say. Internet, what would you say to those people to, to give them a hint of motivation to go ahead and just pursue their, their dreams or their goals? Well, I think like this might feel a little bit of an intimidating bit of advice, but one of the things to remember is that there's a lot of people right now for you, right? When you first graduate, you're surrounded by like just a billion extremely motivated, extremely talented people. The amount of people that stay involved in the industry and in the conversation starts to dwindle as you mm. get older. And so all that you have to do to be successful is just stay involved. Just mm. don't drop off, you know, like whatever you're doing, just keep doing it, you know, like, because eventually, and I, there are so many people that I've made friends with in the industry that like, if I would have looked at their portfolio when we were at the same age, I'd be like, you know, like, I guess their work's okay or whatever, but they've just like stayed involved oh, yeah. and like, like, you know, figured out how to be a part of the community figured out how to like be a, like a cool enough person facilitating shit. Like, you know, like making sure that um, people feel lifted up that now that we're like 10 years out, they're like a leader, you know, like, and that just, that just happens if you stay involved and you stay motivated in the community. And so like, don't feel intimidated, um, you know, about like diving in because like most people just won't keep the momentum to stay And as long as you can just figure out how to keep creating, like you will have success. I guarantee you, no matter what, like, I swear to God, every person that I know from college who was a fine artist, who was a painter, um, who kept doing their weird shit for 10 straight years, they're having like shows at the Whitney now. It's crazy. Like all you have to do is persevere. Like you just stick with it and you will, you will find success. There's no way that you won't. I'm just telling you, like, if you can stick around, you will be successful. And so for now, experiment, have fun, do things that drive you, like try doing stuff from within, try not trying to catch up with what you'd see out in the world. Hmm. Um, if a new technology sounds interesting, try it. If you want to try your hand at coding or using chat GPT to pour to code things for you, like whatever, like try all the things like it's really important to just dip your toes in all the things to see what sticks. And when you're young, you're really capable of that. When you're fresh, you have like growth mindset coming out every fucking pore. Whereas now I feel like I have to like do mushrooms to like have growth mindset. I swear to God, it's like, <laughs> I'm getting old and like, I just am so static. And like, every time that I like need to like be like, Ooh, wow, I can learn a new thing. I have to like take a, flip and drug to do it or something <laughs> so i would I'd say like use that growth mindset now learn all the things uh it gets harder to be excited about learning the older that you get so just like don't look at everything as like an intimidating uh thing to do look at it as a, an opportunity because now is the time where you're like a sponge and you can do all those things so just like cherish it I, I love it. And you're, you're also a great example <laughs> of that. No, I think it's, you know, bottom line, line is play the long game. You know, it's not going to happen like right away. You know, you need to develop your skill. You need to develop your, your art. You need to find what, what you're great at. And that takes time. You know, it takes years. Well, also, I think Martina and I could both probably speak to this. When you have a career where you kind of like hockey stick up to a really top level quickly, 
it's actually so much harder to stay on top of the mountain than mm. it is to slowly climb the mountain. Yeah. And that's something to remember is that it's not a race to the top mm. because the top is really hard to stay at. Mm. Like once you hit the top, staying at the top is hard. Everybody wants to knock you off the top because they're looking for the next person to be on the top. And mm. so don't try to get to the top. Try to climb. Try to climb slowly and steadily and improve and do great work or whatever, but do not try to race to be at the tippy top of your career in six months. It's, it's unsustainable. It's not healthy. And it's really oh, yeah. tough once you hit that, once you hit that moment to actually figure out how to stay up there or to figure out how to grow from that. And so like, don't look at like, I haven't had my viral success moment as being a negative. That's a positive it's really much better to have sort of a working your way up career in which you have like moments of victory, but you're on a steady climb rather than having this like one massive thing that brings you all the way to the top. And then you're just clawing your way to stay on there for the rest of your life. Now, after today's show, we are taking a summer break, but don't worry, we will be back in September with more. So before I go, let me say thank you. Thank you for being there and listening to every episode. You are the sole reason why I'm here and why we do this. And if you have enjoyed this season, please take a moment to follow us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your support really helps others discover us and keeps us motivated to bring you more amazing episodes. So mark your calendars now and catch up on any episodes you may have missed from season number four. Uh, we are coming back in September with season number five of this podcast and more greatness for you. So have a great summer and see you soon. Bye-bye. So this is it. I hope you loved this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks at Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflor.com slash podcast where you can see previous episodes find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflor.com slash YouTube to find them. You can, of course, listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you loved this episode, subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Thank you all for listening and see you in the next episode of Martina Flores Open Studio. Bye-bye.